You are listening to Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. A place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. My name is Kent. I'm one of the staff here, and I love to teach, and I love to see the light bulb come on somebody's, over somebody's head when they finally get it. So I got to tell you, I was really geeked out today to see classes start up again and peeked in some of the windows to see some kids in some of the classes. So um, good job, teachers. Good job, uh, parents. Good job, students going to class. I love it. Um, most of our stuff has resumed here at the church. One thing that has not yet resumed is uh, Explorers Children's Worship, which was the thing we did for kids in this hour. And um, instead, we're having kids stay with us and engage in worship with us. And so we're going to try to help with that and to try to help kids feel comfortable being in here, help parents feel comfortable having their kids here, do whatever we can to encourage. So if you're a kid in the room, can you just make a little bit of noise right now and let me know you're here? Any kid? All right. Good job. Okay. Good. We think that noise is life. Um, And when you have like family reunions and everybody gets together of all ages, there's lots of noise. That's life. So we just want to uh, welcome you all, make sure you're encouraged here. It's probably not encouraging to give kids or parents dirty looks. So if kids sometimes make noise at the wrong time or a time that's less appropriate, then uh, we're going to just keep encouraging them and loving them. We're just glad you're all here. So, um, And when we have a discussion moment in the service, make sure you include kids. And we're going to have a discussion moment right now in which you are thinking about a famous person in history that you would like to talk to and one question you would like to ask them. Okay, so if you're sitting with a kid, make sure they get to be part of this discussion too. A famous person in history you'd like to meet and one question you'd like to ask them. And if you're sitting by yourself, then yell across the gap to somebody who's near you, okay? All right, go ahead, discuss that for a minute. Famous person, one question. Okay. There are people who are like list compilers and they have compiled this particular question and the responses to it. And popular answers about famous people that they would like to meet include Abraham Lincoln. Anybody pick Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, got a couple. Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Princess Diana, and Mother Teresa. These are usually popular names that people give. And the kinds of questions that people like to ask often focus on how these individuals overcame challenges or difficulties. We're really curious about how they handle it when there was adversity. What sustained Abraham Lincoln through the tribulation of the Civil War? How did Gandhi find the courage to stand up against the British Empire? Why did Mother Teresa stay engaged when there was suffering all around her? These are the kinds of questions people ask. Now, I want to narrow the focus just a little bit and say, if you could meet one of the 12 disciples, which disciple would you like to meet? And do you have a question for them? Go ahead and talk again real briefly. One of the 12 disciples. Okay. 
Okay. Steve, do you have one? No. Okay. And I'm sure you at home are discussing this as well. Okay, here's an interesting thing. Of all the disciples, the one disciple that gets selected more often than any other is Peter. Peter, almost as much as all the others combined. How many of you picked Peter? Okay. And the kind of questions that people like to ask Peter are questions about usually things like why he was so human, why he was such a real person. How did he deal with his failures? That's what people want to know about. And the things that he didn't do or didn't do right are the things that we can relate to. We want to know about his rash opinions, his temper, his cowardice. That's the kinds of things people are really curious about. So I don't know if you're one of those individuals who wants to know more about Peter. If you are, you are in luck. Because over the next 10 weeks, we are planning to have a conversation with Peter, an in-depth conversation to understand what he talked. And we're going to use his own words to try to have this conversation. Peter wrote two books in the Bible, First and Second Peter. And by studying these letters that he wrote, we will have a deeper understanding of Peter. But better than that, we will have a deeper understanding of God and how God wants us to live And there's a particular theme that floats to the surface as soon as we start reading these letters, and the theme is hope. How do we find hope in difficult times? That's the kind of thing Peter wants to talk about, and we're going to start by diving right into 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you've got your Bible or your iPhone or your iPad, whatever you read Scripture on, I'd like to have you open it up to 1 Peter. Now, Peter's way at the back of the New Testament, you're to Revelation, you went just a little too far back up through Jude and three little books of John and then Peter. First Peter chapter 1, and while I read these first couple paragraphs, listen to see if you don't hear the message of hope almost immediately come to the forefront. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Okay, before I read it, though, I want to offer you this prayer. The Lord be with you. 1 Peter 1.1 1, 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in that last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined in fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed." Though you, have seen, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him 
and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest of care, trying to find the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even the angels long to look into these things. This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. So Peter does not waste any time pointing to the source of hope. It comes right away in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't know about you, but one thing that I have thought in 2020 is this. Life can drain your hope away, can it? I actually think this is true in non-pandemic, non-deratio time as well. Life can drain away our hope. There's economic challenges, relational issues, personal problems, community problems, emotional difficulties. We talk about them as being setbacks, stressors, messes, hassles. Life can be a hassle, can it? Peter leads in his writing with an invitation to find a hope that can sustain us no matter what hassles come. That's the invitation. Can you imagine a treasure so precious that nothing else matters? A treasure that's so good, it doesn't matter what problems you have. Would you be interested in that kind of treasure? Peter tells us that we are not the first ones to embark on this kind of treasure hunt. He talks about the saints who have gone on before us. They were looking for a treasure that would sustain them when life was filled with troubles. The prophets of long ago, they were intently searching for this treasure. Even the angels in heaven long to understand what this treasure is. People are searching intently with great care for a treasure that will sustain them, and people are still searching for that treasure today. It's like the merchant, Jesus describes, who was looking for the pearl of great value. That when he found this pearl, he immediately went out and he sold everything he had. He leveraged his entire net worth to purchase this one soul, this one pearl. Peter says, join me in this treasure hunt. Let's go find this treasure. It's that great. And the second thing that Peter says is, if you want to get in on this treasure hunt, the first thing you've got to do is quit 
obsessing about trouble. Quit obsessing about your problems, your troubles. Now, Peter wrote this little letter about 30 years after the death and resurrection of Christ. And his audience was followers of Jesus who were like spread throughout Asia Minor. This was a little different than Paul's letters were usually like targeted at a particular location, a particular church, a particular group of people. Peter's writing to a a people who are scattered all over. And these people are troubled. They're facing serious difficulties, serious challenges. Some of the stuff that comes out later in the letter, we define that these people were being abused by their overbearing bosses. These people were being threatened by their unbelieving spouses. These people were being ridiculed by skeptical neighbors. These people were being persecuted. And on the horizon was a much more intense, a much more violent persecution was looming, just waiting to bring them martyrdom and death. It was a very anti-Christian society. Does that sound familiar to anybody? They were in a difficult situation. And the kind of questions that were raised for these believers who were scattered all over Asia were questions like these. What will sustain us in times of stress and anxiety? Where can we turn when we're faced with misfortune and challenges? What will help us when we are handed setbacks? Um, Maybe a shorthand way to put all of these different questions is this bottom line. Where's the hope? Where can we find hope? That's the question they were asking and Peter wanted to answer. Now as we dig deeper into this letter, we discover that the kind of hope they longed for was not simply a hope that would allow them to kind of endure the days that were evil, kind of just mark time, just kind of get through it, just kind of make it. They were actually looking for a hope that would help them succeed. They were looking for a hope that would give them the ability to to thrive, to stand up with great courage in the face of fear, a hope that would allow them to stand up with love and tenderness and kindness in the face of persecution. They were looking for a hope that would sustain them and would actually bear fruit as they followed Jesus Christ in a world that was hostile toward their faith. That's the kind of hope that they were looking for, a hope that would help them rise above difficult times to handle the challenges that they were facing. Have you ever wanted that kind of hope? Well, Peter wanted that kind of hope. And so we see that as Peter tells us the story, and we'll discover this time and time again, Peter does not sugarcoat the reality of hardships. He doesn't deny pain and struggles and persecution and difficulties. He doesn't cover it up. But he does say this, quit obsessing about these troubles. Quit focusing on the hardship. Now, I don't know about you, but I might have hoped that Peter would say something like this when we're facing tough times. He might say something like, well, when things get really tough, take care of yourself. Relax. Maybe disconnect. Maybe if you want to wallow in the pain, go ahead and wallow for a little while. If you want to stop trying, stop trying. If you want to stop following, if you want to stop obeying, stop obeying. We might have hoped that he would say something like that. I don't know. Maybe you don't, but I would. But Peter suggested something very different. He says this. 
You are suffering. You are facing trials. You have hardships. Focus on this. You have an inheritance that can never perish, an inheritance that will never spoil, an inheritance that will never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Through faith you are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in you. So when you have trouble, do this. Rejoice. He actually says, rejoice greatly. Though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith will be proven to be genuine, just like gold, which is refined in the fire, so that in the end your trouble will result in praise, glory, and honor to Jesus Christ. That's what comes from your suffering. So quit obsessing about your trouble. Instead, look at the inheritance. Look at the fruit. Look at the gift God is giving. Now I have a little sidebar. I don't know if this is relevant or not, but um, here's what really bugs me about the news media and a lot of it and a lot of social media. They blast us constantly with this message. The world is falling apart. You are facing a catastrophe and it's not going to get better anytime soon. Anybody hear any news reports like that lately? We get bombarded with this message. It's bad and it's going to get worse, so hunker down. Peter flips this on his head. He says, quit obsessing about your trouble. Instead, embrace good news. Embrace your inheritance. Embrace this gift that God gives, which is, I think, the third big point I want to make today. Peter says, embrace your inheritance. This is where our hope lies. This is where we find hope in troubled time, a living hope. Now, the New Testament idea of hope is very different from how we often think about hope. We often think about hope um, kind of as wishful thinking. So I don't know if any of you are with me on this, but you maybe are sitting here today and you say, I, I hope the Packers win the Super Bowl. Anybody? And yeah, so you're with me. Yeah, I hope so too. Maybe you're even just lesser hope. I just hope the Packers beat the Vikings today. That's all I hope for. Or maybe I just hope they finish the season. I hope we play football until February. That's all we hope. This is kind of a wishful thinking hope. It's a wish about the future that's very uncertain, very unclear. And we don't really know what the outcome is going to be. We don't know if they really have any chance of winning the Super Bowl or not. But we hope. The kind of hope that's talked about in Scripture is a hope that has a whole lot more substance to it, a whole lot more strength. It's a hope that's actually based on actions that are completed and actions that are promised. This is where our hope lies. And so we have a hope, a living hope, because Jesus Christ came as God promised and lived a life of perfection and went to the cross and died for our sins and rose again from the dead. This happened. And because this happened, we have hope. It's not just wishful thinking. And then we also have hope because God has made promises about what's coming in the future. And these promises are sure. 
That one day Jesus will return again. One day all that's wrong will be set right. One day everything will be restored. One day it will be completed and God's kingdom will be fully in our midst. We know this is going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. We have a sure hope based on the actions that have been completed and the promises of actions God has yet to complete. This is not only hope, this is living hope. Because it's based on the fact that the one who has made the promise is living and active and at work in our world and in our lives. He's guaranteeing this hope. This is the inheritance that we have. This is the inheritance that we're told to embrace. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Shielded by God's power until this plan is revealed in the last days. In all of this, you can rejoice, even though now you are suffering grief in all kinds of trials for a little while. These have come to prove in your faith genuine, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire. Peter says, this living hope is a sure thing. And while we're waiting for these things to be fulfilled, it has a refining effect. Do you know what a crucible is? A, a crucible is a container that you put raw gold into, and then they heat it up super hot, and the gold melts, and all of the impurities float to the surface. And then they skim off the impurities, and they heat the crucible again. The gold melts, and the more impurities float to the surface. And they keep reheating the crucible until the gold is pure gold. Peter says, these trials... It's like a crucible. You're getting heated up to refine you. And you get heated up again and again and again. And with each new trial, the refining is more and more complete. We come more and more the way God designed us to do. The trials that we experience in life are part of this inheritance. And their effect is to make us pure people. This passage calls us to remember that a living hope comes when we recognize that we're living in a crucible, which is the trials of life. So quit obsessing on the trouble, on the crucible, and celebrate the inheritance, the refining that comes. Embrace that inheritance. And if anyone knows something about being refined in the crucible, it's Peter, right? And the reason why we want to talk to Peter, because he's so human. I mean, he's most famous for having a bad temper and denying Christ. Those are his two claims to fame. And yet God refined him so that he becomes a pillar. He leads the church. On Pentecost Sunday, the church is born because of Peter's great sermon. And Jesus makes this prediction about Peter. He says, he will be a rock, and upon that rock... The whole church will be built and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's Peter. Because he was refined in the crucible. So, what about us? Are we ready to find hope? Yes. Are we ready to be refined? Yes. Because this is part of the living inheritance that we have. And we're going to dig a lot more into the details of what it means to have this living hope over the next 10 weeks. I invite you to join me. But right now I'm most interested in if there's someone who might be here 
who says, well, I don't know what it's like to have that hope. I'm looking for hope right now. I've never trusted in Christ. I'd like to maybe begin this. And I'm actually going to end my message with a, a prayer, as I always do, but a little different prayer. This is a prayer you might pray if it's the very first time you've ever come to faith in Christ. You could pray a prayer like this and enter into that living hope. Or if you're sitting there today as someone who's trusted Christ, but you're just discouraged and you need to find some hope, you could pray this prayer along with me. And so I just invite you to join me now in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we come to you today and I say, I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead and that this guarantees that your death was sufficient to pay for all of my sins. I believe that God is for me and not against me and that you yourself are alive today and will help me find hope in trouble. Jesus, I'm sorry that I have obsessed over my troubles, many of which I brought on myself. I'm sorry that I have not trusted you or followed you or obeyed you as well as I should. I ask you to forgive me. Dear Jesus, I ask that you also help me find hope to trust fully in your promises, to place all my hope in you, even in difficult times. And Jesus, I pray that you'll give, even in these times of stress and anxiety, the power to rejoice and be glad. Thank you, Jesus, for all the good that you do. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, please visit our website, www.cedarhillscr.org.